0: Wouldn't it be amazing if there were an easy way to carve out time for self-care? I'm not talking face masks and manicures. I mean, true enrichment for our mental, physical, spiritual, and financial health. I want to tell you about a new lifestyle app that launched this year called Shape and Foster. It provides monthly actionable insight from six experts in mental health, financial planning, nutrition, fitness, yoga, and life coaching. It's a one-stop shop for self-improvement. You create your own profile, watch videos by the experts, ask questions in a forum, be part of a community, and enhance your quality of life by improving awareness, your identity, and potential. Visit thatstotalmomsense.com backslash and foster for a free three-day trial and a discounted annual plan of just $89 a month should you decide to become a member. Moms and dads, we need to take care of our kids. But above all else, make time to take care of you with Shape and Foster. Hi, it's Kanika, and I'm back with a brand new season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview parenting experts, world renowned thought leaders, best selling authors, and trailblazing entrepreneurs on their incredible life stories and Mom Sense experiences.
1: Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein, and you're listening to me on That's Total
0: Mom Sense. It's me Bobby Brown on Total Mom Sense. Can't wait to share my story. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. Pandemic or not, these episodes will inspire you to make every single day count. Episodes release on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Join my tribe and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode.
1: And he said to me after everything he learned about my first birth with Amelia, he was like, You know, you could probably have a V back if you decide to have another child. And I didn't even know what that was. I was like, What? What's a V back? And he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, vaginal birth after a C-section. And I was like, Oh my gosh, no, I did. I did not know this. And what do you mean I could do this? And, you know, him being a chiropractor and, you know, an expert in many things, you know, he started sharing with me all the different ways that you can prep your body and also how you can have the conversation with a doctor, a midwife, whoever it may be, you know, and, and, and talk about that being an option. And so he opened my eyes up to it. So then when I did get pregnant with Arlie, you know, I started being very intentional right away of like, okay. I am going to work to have a be back with her. Like that is my, you know, absolute goal when it comes to this birth. As moms, we often wonder: am I doing enough for my kids?
0: I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadha Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that Total Mom Sense. Today, I am so excited to feature a guest who is a known risk taker and prides herself on living on her own terms, Allie Levine. Celebrity stylist and motherhood fashion lifestyle expert, Allie Levine, believes that no matter where you roam, from the laundry room to the red carpet, authenticity is your superpower and confidence is your best accessory. Raised in the high-velocity fashion culture of New York City, a natural gift for style-led Levine to opportunities working with international designers like Coach, Talbots, and the opening of New York's flagship Target location. A transition to television and film took her to Hollywood, where she founded the Allie Levine Design Headquarters, quickly establishing herself as LA's it girl of celebrity styling, with a star-studded portfolio that includes top names like Jesse McCartney, Ariane Celeste, Holly Robinson-Pete, Joey King, Gretchen Rossi, Lisa Vanderpump, and more. She rose to reality stardom with her Bravo show, Stripped, which had exposed couples' relationships while stripping them of everything they own, clothing, furniture, money, coveted possessions, to uncover what truly matters most. After the arrival of Ali's first child, her daughter, Amelia Ray, she embraced the role of a mompreneur and mommy influencer. She's now a mom of two and shares her real raw truth of motherhood. She's a sought after motherhood style and lifestyle expert covered by Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, New York Times and LA Times with design ideas featured on national network television and print online media outlets such as Real Simple, Pop Sugar, and FabFitFun. She's also one of Yahoo's top influencers to watch and follow in 2020. You can follow her journey at AllieLavine.com and on Instagram at Allie Levine Design. Allie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I absolutely love your show and everything that you do with it and who you are as an amazing mama. And oh my gosh, you do not have to read that whole thing. Thank you for... <laughs> sharing uh my journey so yes
0: yes but a lot of accolades I wanted to cover it all um and I think it's just amazing the journey that you've been on in fashion and television and film um and so it's just it's great to just see your growth and now as a mother what you're going to be passing on to your kids well thank Um, you. so tell us you know I always like to start from the beginning tell us a little bit about your childhood
1: you know, I have two wonderful parents. I'm originally from New York. So um, I moved out here on my own 10 and a half years ago with my, who's my boyfriend, who's, you know, now my husband and everything. And my um, Italian grandmother, um, who my daughter Amelia is named after, um, was like my very best friend growing up. She was kind of actually who I kind of looked at as a second mom. I went to to be with her like every weekend growing up and, you know, very much um, stay with her all the time um, because I really enjoyed uh, her company. We were just super, super close um, it Was my mom's mom. And, um, you know, just a very close knit family in the sense we eat a lot of, you know, traditional dinners together and fun, big holidays at her house Mm -hmm. and just really warm and loving. And I love to play at her house and get dressed up in her furs and her pearls and wear her heels. And I always loved everything she wore. I felt like she looked like such a classic, stunning woman. I always wanted to be in what she was wearing even if it was like eight times the size on me Mm -hmm. and I always embraced that and love that and you know my parents fueled my creativity um, in the sense of they saw that I was always into fashion and arts and so like got me a sewing machine I would sew with my grandma and I would crochet as well and she taught me I was doing oil paintings with her at a young age and also painting with my dad and my dad being someone who also had kind of done a lot in um, arts and business when he was young and so. He, you know, would help me with just kind of fueling, uh, you know, those skills and everything. And I would just say like emerged in between fashion and the business side of things at a young age with fashion and creativity side being my grandmother. And then the um, business side being my dad, I used to go with my dad all the time as a young girl. Um, He's the number one vendor to QVC. He started his business and, you know, built his literally his way from the ground up and became the number one vendor after many years of knocking on doors and, you know, getting in people's faces and doing what he had to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day when I was a young girl and I would be home with my mom and he would be out literally going door to door with his toothbrush. My mom used to be like, oh my gosh, like, is it worth it? And you know, the answer was, yeah, because he went from being that man knocking on doors with one product to opening his own company where he helped others do that as well as, you know, his own ideas and it ended up becoming, you know, him being the number one vendor to QEC. And I think seeing that um as a young girl and growing up around that, that determination, you know, that business mindset, he always taught us that we, you know, work for, you know, what we have. We're always humble and we're always fortunate. And I always had that embedded in me. And I remember like growing up, I really wanted this one pair of like like Dolce Gabbana jeans. And I told him, and I think I was like maybe 14 or 15. And I told him I wanted them. And he was like, okay, you can have them, but you have to work for them. And Mm. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I was so stoked. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And so he puts me to work at his office and, you know, I'm doing like answering calls and like helping with, you know, like secretary stuff and files and whatever. And I just remember you know, working there. Two things. One, I remember him reprimanding me because I was like on whatever it was back then—the chats or AIM or whatever. I can't remember what you know, which which system was like in play then. But I was like talking to my friends, you know, longer than I should have been, and like I was, you know, sitting there because the phones weren't ringing, so I felt like I could like relax. And he was like, "Look, he's like, you know, I'm not teaching you anything if I let you just come in here and just like play around. Like you need to work." And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm, there's something going on right now," and he's like, "But." You have to be ready for it and you have to anticipate, you know, and you have to stay in the work zone. And, you know, he really taught me at a young age, like what work ethic looked like and like what, you know, what you do and don't do. And I remember like in the moment being really embarrassed and upset with him because, you know, I felt called out, you know, in his company and everything. And he was like, well, you know, if I don't do that and I just let you get away with, you know, you're the boss's daughter, like, what am I teaching you? And then what message am I sending? you know, what message am I sending to my employees as well, you know? And so in a moment, of course, I was very upset, but then, you know, thinking about it later on, it was very humbling and it was very teaching. And then on top of that, you know, just getting to work there and, you know, get my first, you know, feet wet and get my first job. I remember at the end when I made enough money to go get the jeans and he's like, all right, we can go get them. And I was like, well, I don't want them anymore. <laughs> and he's like, and this is why I, you know, had you, you know, and I, and it was so funny because it was a combination of like not wanting them because I didn't want to spend the money because it was my money. And then the other part of it being like, oh, well, maybe I want something else instead because I worked all summer for this, you know, yes. and it was a really great lesson. And so like, yeah, my point being in that I really had that growing up the business side, you know, the fashion side, my mom being the nurturing side. um, And just, you know, as a child, really getting all of that and having a a very warm and uh, you know full home of family and family always being you know the center of um, everything growing up and. My youngest brother's eight years from me. So we weren't as close or even to this day, I would say, just because of our age gap. But my middle brother, um, we're four years apart. So we were pretty close and, you know, we're in a, each other's lives, uh, you know, most of my childhood. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember like, you know, him also kind of watching everything I was doing. And so I think it was just something that was, you know, instilled in me and why I am successful in business is, You know, when you watch your dad do that and he takes you on the weekends to the green rooms for experiences and, you know, get to be a part of all of it, it's kind of hard, I think, not to like have that mindset when you see someone, you know, who you love and admire, you know, doing so much. You're like, wow, he can do it. I can do it, too. And I think that was really inspiring for me.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Um, I love how he you know kind of had such an impression on you um on on just your business acumen and then even fashion. Um, it's really great. So have you always been one to take risks in your life? Is there any other moment in time where you're like, you know that was something that maybe others wouldn't
1: have done, but I'm not risk averse. so it's funny when people say like to me like to take risks because it's actually something that I'm dealing with my parents right now to be like super transparent like we're actually it was funny when you asked me the childhood question because it made me smile and really reminded me of course how much I I love and adore my parents but right now we're not really like in the best of ways because they're having a hard time with me being such a risk taker Mm -hmm. and they're not accepting it and it's and it's quite difficult because they are such loving people and I love them madly, obviously, to meet my parents, but they've always been very, um, you know, supportive uh, in my life up until, like, I would say, in the, you know, more recent years. And, you know, it's because I think that for myself, in a way, I've had, like, my own Um, awakening uh, spiritually, um, where I really trust more in faith um, than anything else. Um, You know, whatever resonates, some people, God, universe, you know, guides, all of it is, you know, what I register with, and I feel personally, and it really guided me to a place of it doesn't necessarily really feel like risk per se, but it's more faith and, and trust. And I think also of like, for me, understanding that like a lot of quote unquote, like systems or programs were taught to us at a very young age and have been instilled continuously in all different media outlets and programs and different things that we've been around all of us growing up that it's not necessarily wrong. It's just systems that were always in place that were told to us, this is what you're supposed to do. And this is what this is. And I've just kind of had an awakening of like breaking out of that and being like, well, is all that a hundred percent true? And like I feel that some things are limiting beliefs and, you know, had my own, like I said, awakening. And I think between going through my heavy postpartum depression with my first daughter, you know, that was, I think to me, my own first awakening because I had been so wrapped in this cohort you know, system that we're all in. And I, when I went through that, you know, one of the first things that my doctor wanted me to do was get on, you know, Prozac or Xanax. And, you know, let me just say any mother who did, like, if that was what you needed, 100%, like you have to do what you need to do to be able to survive. And, and I know how dark postpartum depression was. But for me, I have always been someone who likes to do things more natural or I should say as I got older, I like to do things more natural and I want to, you know, be more holistic. And that was something that I just kind of really fell, you know, into, I couldn't even tell you how, um, I just started really, I think questioning certain things and then realizing that like I could do a lot of things more natural and things were working out. And so I just kind of kept trusting that. And so, you know, when it came to my postpartum depression, I wanted to take a more natural route. So I started looking into like, you know, CBD and just different things I could do holistically and found, you know, my um, therapist helped me find like different ways of like cognitive thinking and, you know, meditation and different types of journaling and just all the types of brain exercises and faith things. And it just really helped me. And it took more work, I would say um, maybe in the sense of, you know, when some people are able to get on, Medication like that, they're, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling better within a few months. It took me almost a year to feel like myself again. But to me, it was worth it. I was able to stay in control of my mind and body and soul. And that felt like priceless to me. And I think that, too, you know, when I was talking about my grandmother, who Amelia is named after, you know, when she died, I would say that was probably the darkest I've ever been in my life. Um, She Mm. was like my very best friend um, growing up. And, you know, she really was like a second mom to me. And I went to her for everything. And she was always a non-judgmental space. And she was always so open and just her heart was so open, like just an incredible woman. I mean, everybody that was around her, whether they were related to her or not, like loved her. She just loved on everybody, you know, unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and such an incredible trait to have, and I was so lucky to be around it and have that relationship, and I think when she passed, you know, I really, honestly, one, I didn't handle it at all. I didn't grieve at all, and I just lost my shit, to be honest. I, not only, I think, like, lost myself in the beginning there, but also... I had, you know, so much family around me that saw me like drowning and having a hard time that for them, you know, the system quote unquote, like was comfortable. And so it was like, Hey, you know, not just therapy, but like, let's, you know, what, cause I was all for therapy, but it was like, let's get you on medication. And I got on, you know, Xanax and some other things. And I just remember being like this walking zombie. And I just mm-hmm. remember not feeling anything and not having any emotion and to go from this person who most people know me as like this animated and happy, you know, o- like open, Person that talks all the time and you know <laughs> told, told that they talk too much and all these things to go from that to like being the zombie who is like kind of like muted and just going with the flow. I think that when it came to my postpartum depression, I almost like remembered that when I was having those conversations with therapy and everything, my postpartum specialist, and I was like, you know what? As much as that maybe helped me in the moment, I don't want to feel that way again because I remember like not only not feeling, but like I said to my husband, like, I feel like it was really detrimental to our marriage because I didn't like want to sleep with him and I didn't want to like be, you know, I mean, it's really vulnerable, but like, I really it's just, numb. I, I numb, exactly. So numb, I didn't want to do anything. Um, I didn't want to express my feelings to him. I didn't want to go anywhere. You know, it was just, it was really, honestly, it was just not good. And so I really didn't want to go back to that place of like getting medicated again and, and potentially feeling that way again. And so I think that that quote unquote risk Came from, well, what if this isn't everything? And what if I can find other ways to do this? So hopefully I am in a much healthier and happier space. And thank God from having, you know, a midwife and a team around me that believed in more of the holistic side and being around people that really, you know, kind of have become experts in that space, I was able to tap into other ways to do that. And like I said, it definitely was much more work and took me a while to get back to who Allie was, but I believe. After that, not only was I stronger in a new version of myself, but like I said, I kind of had this spiritual awakening of like, wow, I found so much inner peace in that stillness, in that meditation and prayer in being able to journal out, you know, my emotions so vividly and heavily doing cognitive thinking, you know, just, you know, visualizations, just all different types of therapies that honestly, I would have laughed at years ago. But now I've seen what a change it's made in my life affirmations, looking in the mirror and, and forcing yourself to say affirmations, even if you don't feel them, just, you know, all these changes that brought me now to where I am, where, again, like, I don't feel I'm necessarily taking risk, but I'm tapping into my inner knowingness and believing, like, in spirit of, like, who I am at the absolute soul, who all we all are, you know? And and when you tap into that, in my opinion, in your inner knowingness and, and in spirit, you can say, like, okay, I know what resonates and I know what doesn't. And I understand that not everybody, you know, feels that way, and not everybody can find that. But for me, I did, and I didn't expect to, to be quite honest. And and um, it's been a game changer for me. And so it's just I've been feeling into that and walking with that more um, than actually feeling like I'm taking a risk.
0: Right, right. Wow. Um, I want to touch upon your hit show on Bravo because I just I think it's so gutsy. Um, what you and your husband did you know it's like and I feel like it's it's so revealing in a metaphoric way and you know not just the literal way so tell us about that experience of being on Stripped and what you walked away with at the end
1: oh my gosh so first off it was such a crazy show like you said and for those that haven't uh, seen it uh, sadly you can still find it all over on streaming devices <laughs> um, so if you want to laugh and and, and find it it is still there I'm um, actually it was funny someone the other day I uh, tagged me on Instagram I was like oh my gosh that's how I found out like I was it was I guess on Amazon Prime and we were like literally the main cover like butt naked blurred and I was like oh <laughs> my goodness okay Good <laughs> hello I'm here exactly yeah <laughs> hi I've arrived you know so, <laughs> yeah Um, so yeah, so basically the premise was having everything taken away from you for 21 days. And what do you learn? And now this is kind of where the genius of the show came from, in my opinion is, you know, it was based off this like Scandinavian format of wanting to teach people how to essentially kind of, um, rework their lives because there's so many studies behind. If you do something for 21 days, you'll break a habit. You'll change a habit. You'll create a habit. And so their idea was, if we take away everything for 21 days and you literally have nothing, what are you going to learn? How are you going to maybe show up differently? Or what are you going to change? Or what's it going to do to your life? And honestly, you know, first off, when they said to me they wanted me to do it, I was like, (laughs) hell no. Um, And it actually was funny because I was styling, you know, so many different people at the time. So I was very in with the, you know, Bravo family and E family and all those people from working with different, you know, celebrities. And so I had originally been casted for different fashion projects, which of course, as we most of us know in Hollywood or any production, not everything gets green lit. And so, (laughs) um, and so I had been up for different fashion projects and they just didn't play out. And so my, they had my name, you know, in the hat for, you know, this other show. And I'm like, you know, the producer calls me, with being a, you know, a friend of mine. And she's like, you should do this. And I'm like, what are you crazy? Yeah, I don't want to do this. And she's like, Oh, you know, it would be so good for you and a personal level. And it would be so great for you for your brand on a business level. And I was like, yeah, no. And then of course I tell my team and my team's like, Oh yes, you're doing it. You know? <laughs> and then I told my husband and he was the same way. He's like, are you kidding? He's like, this would be great for you. He's like, you're head in the clouds. You're so creative. You know, you're so like out there, like you barely give any time to yourself, let alone us. And he's like, I think this would be awesome. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing this. And then, of course, you know, they meet my husband. They think he's hilarious. And Justin is so like, you know, give two Fs about anything. He, my husband knows who he is. He has been like that at a young age. I give him so much credit. And so whether take him or leave him, that is who he is. And so he was like, sure, I don't care. I'll do it. You know? And they were like, oh my gosh, we love that. He's almost like anti, you know, Bravo and E and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, we do this show together and it was quite intense to be honest, you know, because What what I thought was going to be a quote unquote show really was a true life, you know, in a sense, documentary reality series, because, you know, they never really let us go back to who, you know, we were during filming. I I was thinking like we'd film and then we get to like go back to our bed and go to sleep. And they were like, no, 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 you live this life for 21 days. So if you don't ask for something back like you don't have it. I don't care. You want to sleep in your bed. You're going to sleep on the floor. And that was a very intense and humbling experience all at once. No, I mean, you sleeping on a wood floor, but naked. I mean, it was like, okay, this is is no joke, you know, with, with toilet paper rolls as your like pillows. I mean, it was, it was pretty good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, one thing I think, you know, almost like survivor style, like you could, be dropped in the middle of nowhere and make it through and just, you, know, you don't need much to get by and you get resourceful. So there's that, but then
1: totally.
0: the other side of it is that like, do you have an appreciation for other things or, or is it more like I'm going to be minimalist now? And like, none of the shit matters.
1: Okay. So I definitely have never become a minimalist. It's funny. A lot of people have asked me that. And I think I just like things too much. I've tried, I've definitely gotten better. Like the alley who was on strip who had literally, I think at the, during the filming, they like put it on the screen that we had like over, like, I think it was like 10,000 items that they counted or something crazy with me, or I forget the exact number. I blacked that out, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, but whatever it was, I definitely have gotten better. I wouldn't say I don't have stuff, but I have done a better job of Purging things out more, donating more, going through my stuff and not having an attachment. I think that was the difference. Everything had an attachment. And I didn't realize back then, going back to like now what we're saying in almost your mom sense, you know, everything obviously is energy. And I don't think I realized how much energy I was putting around me and how much clutter and how much stuff I was kind of surrounding myself with. And, I, and then mm. when it came to like getting rid of it, I couldn't do it. It was like, I didn't want to let go of it. I wanted to hold on to it. And for whatever reason, I think a lot of things maybe were because my grandmother and it was like, you know, oh, but it could be an attachment or it could be this, it could be that, even if it wasn't, I told myself that story. And so, you know, fast forward to now, you know, I'm attached to things, but I'm on a much more important level. And if so, if something breaks, I don't, you know, freak out the way I used to, where I was like, you know, shattering to me, or, you know, if I need to go through more clothing, it didn't take me, you know, five days to release certain outfits. It was like, it's like, okay, you know what? I really don't use this anymore. So I'm going to donate this. Okay. I don't really use this. I'm going to sell this. And, you know, I'm in a much better, healthier space, um, in that sense. And then I think too, you know, going back to also like, you know, the emotional and mental side of it, I really do believe it started to prepare me to become a mom, um, to be stripped of everything as we all are, when we come into this beautiful wild ride of motherhood, um, whether it be, you know, who you are, you know, you know, personally, whether it be who you are physically, mentally, emotionally, or all things, because I know it was all things for me. And I think that, you know, stripped really prepared me for that because, I think that that experience not only humbled me and kind of broke me in a way, but then stepping into motherhood further did the same. And it allowed me when I embraced it, because I did not at first, but when I embraced it and I, you know, fell into it, it allowed me to be so vulnerable and real and raw and not judge myself for it and not, you know, look at myself differently just because I wasn't surrounded in the quote-unquote glam and materials and all the things that I had been in because I was this, you know, because I was a known celebrity stylist and because I was this person who showed up, you know, on camera a certain way and all the things that all these roles that Allie played out, um, you know, in in my life. And I think that motherhood has a way of really not only bringing you <laughs> back to reality, but like truly breaking you and being like, okay, yes, you can be all those things, but like you also have to be a mother, you know, for first to your children, and then also like, in a sense, mother on yourself, and you know, yes. and, and and allow that, um, to come through. And so, I think that you know, stripped in a lot of ways prepared me. I think it also forced me to grieve, you know, without fully realizing it. Um, you know, of course, with it being a show, thank god they didn't show all of everything we went through, but there were a lot of moments for me behind the scenes where I was, you know, sobbing and you know, kind of losing my shit, um, over my grandmother. And you know, um, you know, just I think just kind of really having like realizations because I think that kind of similar to the pandemic, where we're on this hamster wheel, we're on this autopilot, Mm. you don't necessarily take everything in, everything doesn't hit you, touch you the way it maybe would. And then when you're put on, you know, pause, stop, the brakes, you know, halt, it's a different, you know, it's a different feeling, obviously. And, you know, obviously, the pandemic, it's not the same as my show, but in the sense of, everything was taken away, you know, for the, you know, it was 21 days and I had to really sit in my shit and really feel everything. And I didn't have anything to, you know, mask anything. Oh, no, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't have anything to hide anything. I didn't have anything to focus on something else. And so I think it forced me to like, look at my demons and my shadows and all these things to be like, you're not dealing with this. You're not showing up in your personal life. You're not connecting with family and friends as much. You're not present to your husband. You know, you're you know, you're know not even present to yourself. You're a workaholic. You know, you're consumed by materials. Like all these different things are really hard realizations to come to. But honestly, I am so grateful for it because I think it's made me a stronger woman and mother. I think it's made me just a stronger version of myself and made me appreciate things way more. I was the person who was on my phone 24 seven, you couldn't get it out of my hands. I would be texting in my bed at three in the morning when I should be sleeping and I, you know, those days really are far and few between for me now. You know, I leave my phone on my nightstand or you know, I, and on the you know dresser away from me, and I don't even have to have it next to me. You know, I have my phone down at times when I'm playing with the girls, and it's face down. I don't have it for an hour, and I come back to and check my messages. Those days didn't exist before that. You know, it, it literally was like I was attached to my phone, even much so much so that when the show was you know filming. I didn't get my phone back for, I think it was like four or five days in the journey. I, when I did, they were so angry at me. My husband included in production because I was on it so much. And they were like, you're not learning anything. You've only been in this for a few days. And just because you got your phone back, like you're not even submerged in the experience anymore. You're not sitting, talking with your husband. You're not sitting by yourself and and working on yourself. You're just on your phone, looking at emails, checking this. And I got really defensive and I was like, well, I, this is my work. This is this. And they were like, yeah, but this show is about all of that. And it took me a second to like, really kind of be like, Humbled in the moment, and kind of, you know, nobody, of course, wants to be like told, you know, you're no, out. yeah, out, you know, and but I, it showed me like I had to show up massively, and then I had to get really oh. intentional about that item I had chosen to get back, to be intentional about the space and the rest of that journey. So I think a lot of that, to be honest, really taught me and prepared me for motherhood, and I kind of wonder if my you know, my grandmother and my spirit guides, you know, gave that to me for that reason, because, you know, shortly after, you know, filming, you know, we got pregnant, you know, and they showed that on the show. And I think that that really was not a coincidence. I think that my my. mind and my heart and my soul was truly open. And as much as it was a surprise, it was a, it was a beautiful surprise. And I feel like it happened because of what we went through. So, you know, I really actually am very grateful for it. I feel like even now, Um, In the pandemic, I tap back into a lot of those um, moments of just that kind of survival and and doing the inner work. That's really what's helped me thrive during this time in the pandemic, or and some days just survive. Is doing so much inner work since the beginning of 2020 to even now in 2021 that I feel like I'm really um, shaping more and more of who I want to be as a woman, a mother, a wife, a businesswoman. You know, just all the different titles and hats that we all wear. um, I'm really, I've chosen a really intentional path uh, in the last year.
0: Wow, that is incredible. Now you have two beautiful girls and you actually took the path less, Traveled again. Um, and that was with your journey with your VBAC. And I'd love for you to talk about this because it's something that we don't hear about often, especially from a mother herself. And actually, I wanted to share a little bit about my experience. So I had twins, um, you know, boy girl twins had a C-section, it was scheduled, but my water broke. So it was, uh, yeah, one of those, like, I I knew I was having a C anyway, because, you know, my son was breached, and then my daughter was ready to go. But yeah, the second that we found out that I was pregnant again, so they were just nine months old, which was crazy that I found yeah. out I was pregnant I would, with I my third. Say,
1: say so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was still nursing and I was like, wait, what? So, but anyway, you know, because I hadn't really had that time to heal, you know, VBAC was not an option. My OBGYN and the hospital and basically my care providers said you had a C-section and it's been like um, a year and you're you you're going to get another c section. So, yeah, I don't know. What was it like for you? Like how did you push for um, literally <laughs> a, a vbac? How are you explaining to your doctors like no, I want to do it this way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so I and I love that you shared that because this is why I am so kind of loud about my vbac now and 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 honestly I didn't even know Um, that I could be uh, you know, so much in that self-advocacy role until I really kind of pushed for it. But so, you know, after having, for those that really don't know, and you can kind of, you know, go and look at my story, um, that's been documented, but you know, my first daughter, I wanted to have a water birth, I did want to have a natural birth. She and my body had other plans and I wound up in a pretty um traumatic um c section in the sense of that it was a 42-hour labor. And after doing so much work, I wound up in a C-section. And so, I think that you know um, that alone for me was just so heavy because not only one I you know really set out and wanted a certain you know birth plan quote unquote which by the way I don't ever create a birth plan <laughs> yeah um, I mean, they're never going to go you <laughs> it's never going to go your way and yeah. so I feel like you could become married to it or at least I did and then it's just like a really horrible divorce and and you're just heartbroken um, and so I just like you know, couldn't even fathom that like nothing had happened on my, you know, my birth plan. Um, And so, you know, in that sense, that trauma, and then I think again, like there was so much control around it. It was like, you know, I was in such a natural place and I was so comfortable in my element of being, you know, in just the bathtub and being able to move around and not have, you know, all this medicine and, and really just be, free and free flowing. And even though it was really, really hard to be a natural labor for 30 hours and, and, you know, being the state I was in with not really progressing, it became more about like, for me, the trauma was like all this control. Again, my family, as much as I love them, like they were outside the waiting room at the birth center when I asked them not to be, and they were like pacing and, you know, nervous. And I get it, like being a parent now, like I understand, but at the same time for me being in the moment that, that pressure, that all of that was a lot for me. And then it was like being transferred to the hospital was all traumatic because everybody was so worried, even though I was completely fine. Like the baby was fine. I was fine. Thank God. And we went and did a safe transfer to the hospital, but it was just you know, again, that wasn't the norm for my family. So it was very traumatic for them. It was very, you know, upsetting. It was traumatic for me in that sense. And so then fast forward, go in the hospital, you know, staying, trying longer to labor and have her and go 10 more hours there. And then winding up, you know, to do this heavy Pitocin and epidural and have a C-section. It was very traumatic for me all in all. And so, you know, fast forward to then getting pregnant again, I really, you know, I I had found out actually through um, Dr. Berlin. I was on his podcast and we were talking about my birth. And he said to me after everything he learned about my first birth with Amelia, he was like, you know, you could probably have a VBAC if you decide to have another child. And I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what? What's a VBAC? And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, vaginal birth after a c-section and I was like oh my gosh no I did did not know this and what do you mean I could do this and you know him being a chiropractor and you know an expert in many things you know he started sharing with me all the different ways that you can prep your body and also how you can have that conversation with a doctor a midwife whoever it may be you know and, and and talk about that being an option and so he opened my eyes up to it so then when I did get pregnant with Arlie you know I started being very intentional right away of like okay I am going to work to have a be back with her. Like that is my, you know, absolute goal when it comes to this birth. And I think one, setting that intention the minute that I, Really found out about it before I was even pregnant. And then especially when I found out I was pregnant so early on with her writing that down and just putting that intention out there in my journal and telling the universe, like, this is what I want and calling it in and then telling my husband and, you know, just kind of going down the list of the people around me, finding a doula who had been a part of a bunch of VBACs to be supportive and understand it since I didn't fully understand it, listening to like the VBAC link podcast and other stories to start to really understand other women who have been put in those positions that were able to achieve VBACs and really finding someone who aligned with you as far as a care provider, a doctor who really supported it. And so to your your point with the doctor's, um, my first doctor I actually had to fire because she said to me, you know, straight up point blank after I think I was like 10 to 12 weeks pregnant, she was like, Well, um, so you had a C-section, so we're gonna do a C-section. And I was just sitting there like horrified and I had to like really hold my tears back. And I looked at her and I said, Well, why is that? Because I know I can have a V back. And she was like, Oh, no, 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 no. And she, this is what I talk about when I say the system. She immediately started pulling out, you know, pamphlets on pamphlets of why not this and the fear behind this, and this is this. And it was like. I looked at her and it wasn't that I didn't respect, of course, what she, you know, she's a doctor Not wasn't that I didn't respect what she was telling me, but it was coming from such a fear-based place. Right. And after doing so much of my own inner work with my postpartum depression, you know, they really move you from fear to love and the, the exercises and, and work I was doing. And so I really wasn't registering with that fear. And I was just like, no, I I don't have that fear. And I want to like pursue this and see if it's something I can do. And then if it comes to a place where I can't, then I can't. And she was like, well, I can't support you. And that was like one really disappointing. But then two, I think at the same time, really empowering because I was like, you know, you know what, then I'm going to leave you. I'm going to fire you. And I'm going to find somebody else. And once I did that and I broke free of those chains and I remember like being really vulnerable and really scared and calling my husband and being like, you know, am I crazy? But Like, I really want this. And I did my research and he was like, as long as you did your research, I know you, you're going to do what you want to do anyway. So like, just make sure like you're making a safe and healthy decision. Like, God forbid, you know, I showed him you know, the different risks and to be honest, you know, for anyone listening, you know, you can look this up. It's all, it's 0.01, you know, for you to have a, um, a a uterine rupture. And not to say that that's not a risk, but, you know, the, the actual successes of like 89% of women have V-bags, you know, to me was like, well, there's so many women. It's not even half. It's so much more than half are doing this, even though the system is telling you that, you know, the C-sections, you know, are this and are that. And so I was like, I got to find someone. And so I'm calling around all over LA and I was so grateful between my birth community and different people I knew, my doula, that I found Dr. Brock, who is literally known as the VBAC King of Los Angeles. And mm. he is incredible. When you were talking about you with your baby being breached, he also is known for being like the only doctor in Los Angeles who turns breach babies. And if like your baby doesn't uh. turn, him, they're not turning, but he turns, I mean, he's known for like massively thousands and thousands of babies being turned, being breached. And so, you know, just knowing that about him and like who he had come into into in the medical field and how he had pushed the limits. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to meet this guy. So, you know, I go sit in his office and I get a referral and I'm sitting with him and it's funny. I'm twiddling my thumbs. I remember this and I'm looking at him and he's like, what's going on? You seem nervous. And I'm like, well, I want to have this conversation with you about this. And I'm not sure how to, you know, bring it up. And he's like, oh, my, you know, my nurse told me you want to be back. And it was so like seamless. And I was like, oh yeah. And he's like, "Okay." And I was like, okay. And he's like, I'm gonna check you and see if you got, you know, the things that a candidate should have. Your scar is fully healed. You know, there's nothing it seems like there's anything going on inner or outer with your body. The alignment looks right overall. You know, we're gonna just check the you know the basics. And I was like, oh, and he just made it so simple. And then he checked me and the nurse checked me and he's like, Yeah, you look like a good candidate. We're gonna give this a go. And I just remember. In that moment, can you get not only like being like, oh my gosh, I took my power back as a woman and as a, you know, as a mother, but it was like, so like, I just started crying and happy tears of like this release. Yeah. Like I stood up for myself. I advocated for myself. Yes. It was such a beautiful feeling. And I think as mothers, you know, the more that we do that, and, you know, going back to your beautiful, you know, title of the show, Mom Sense, the more you type into that mom sense, that intuition, that inner knowingness, whatever it is that resonates to you, the more you can step into your power and, and take your power back and self advocate for yourself. Exactly. And so, I just felt so like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, just the feeling alone, let alone obviously I hadn't even gone through the VBAC journey yet. And yeah. you know, so then once I, you know, he told me he was going to support me, you know, I then got a chiropractor that was also heavily, you know, known for helping with VBACs and getting my body aligned. I went to her like, you know, twice a week to see her and make sure Dr. Annie was always checking me to make sure my body, you know, she was adjusting things. And it was amazing that alone to see doing that and exercises my duo was giving me to see the difference in like, on, you know, your body of like the way it sits and the way your tailbone is and your hips. And, you know, people don't talk about this. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you get pregnant, you have a baby. And it's like, well, yes, we're all birth, you know, we're all built to give birth to a point, but there are different things, our bodies and different things that are off that maybe need to be adjusted to make things happen a little more smoothly. And I had no idea that like Amelia had gotten stuck twice in the canal and why I had a C section is because she was stuck in a certain part in my hip. And it was like, you know, with Arlie, she's like, okay, we're going to, you know, your left hip keeps going up more and you're right. So we're going to keep adjusting this and make sure we keep lining it up. And, you know, we just kept readjusting my body and realigning and even like being home, the way I would sit and the way I would function, like I was really intentional about really being aware of what my body was doing at all times. And also what I was consuming and certain exercises, just all these different things. And like at the end, you know, really doing like the rebozo work heavily to move the baby and the mile circuit to really get my body like ready to go. And just all these different things, like, you know, my doula being that she'd a part of VBAC to really teach me and speak to me. Um, and so all of that, you know, was really powerful and just educating myself. And then when it came to, you know, giving birth, I mean, you know, we're in a pandemic, you know, it's, you know, COVID, everything's crazy. You know, my dual was no longer allowed to be there with me. She was virtual. So that was a huge adjustment for me, you know, on my heart and my mind and my body and everything. And, you know. And so it was just like, wow, it was really intense. And um, she really kept me in a really spiritual and Zen and, you know, just beautiful place of being like, we're going to work this out. We're going to make it happen. You're going to have your feedback, whether I'm there or not, you're going to see me on FaceTime. I'm going to coach you it's going to be all good. You know, she came over once to show my husband kind of all the things to do to keep me very calm. And, you know, the hip squeezes and all the different things that they do as doulas and ways to touch me and help me and all that. And, you know, that was really, really helpful when it came to being at the hospital and him keeping me in a really safe space, and so when it came to the time, you know, to have my V back, I'm not going to lie. I had to work for it. I really kind of feel like the universe was like, "All right, you really want this?" Because, you know, I labored really quickly. Uh, when I got there, I arrived. I was already at a six, and I went, you know, quick to trans, you know, transition to complete really fast within a few hours, which was not the case, you know, with my first at all. And they told me, you know, your body. Has that memory, like your, you know, it's wild how our bodies work, but like that you have labor memory, like your body remembers. So I went so quickly in that sense, but then the pushing because I hadn't really pushed with Amelia from having a C-section, you know, the pushing was a different story. So I had a few hours of like practice pushing, and then I have I spiked a fever. Um, long story short. And my doctor was like, okay, I can no longer like, let you just continue for hours. I got to make sure you and her. Are okay. So like, we're going to, you know, make this happen. So I need you to like, really like bear down and push so we can, you know, make this happen. And so I was like, okay. So, you know, I get back in the um, bed and and he tells me like, you know, here's the bar. We're going to push as hard as you can. And we're, you know, we're going to make this happen. And so, you know, I I'm pushing as hard as I can, and she's not fully coming. He can see her, but she's not fully calling him. And I remember in that moment, can he get literally going to like fight or flight? Like I'm going to wind up another C-section. Like you, I cannot believe I did all this work. I'd always yeah. thought,
0: Right, right. around and my not head
1: have worked out yeah totally yeah, exactly it was like I had all these thoughts swirling around my head and then and then these other thoughts that weren't even mine like oh well you just can't do it your body can't do it and it was just like all this mess and I remember sitting there being like no I'm not this is not happening like I'm not going down like this and I remember turning to my husband and saying can I have my earbuds please and he, you know put them in my ears and I turned on, I had like a meditation playlist. I'd worked with, you know, the entire pregnancy and I turned on my fear releasing one. And I sh- shut my eyes. I said, give me a second. I shut my eyes. I prayed. I really got intentional about what they were saying. Started repeating it to myself. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something like I released the fear and I allowed the universe to come into play or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I said that to myself. And as I said that, You know, he's like, okay, we're gonna try this vacuum assist one last time before we go to a C-section. You know, and he's like, you gotta push as soon as I tell you to push. You gotta push as hard as possible, like the hardest you've ever pushed in your life. And so I put this in. I'm saying this to myself, and I'm listening, waiting for him to tell me. And I'm repeating this over and over and over again in my head and kind of out loud. And as soon as he's like, push, I I've never (laughs) pushed so hard in my life, and I I push so hard as I'm saying the words to myself. And all of a sudden, I hear her crying. And there she was. And they put her on my chest and I was, oh my God, I was beyond elated. I was hysterical. I was shaking. I couldn't believe that it actually happened. And it was so just not only magical, but just so healing for me in so many ways after my C-section. And I think not just physically, but I think for me, it was so much more like I'm getting curated right now because it was so much more like spiritual and emotional and soulful. It was just Like, wow, not only did I do it and advocate for myself, but like, I believed in myself. And even at the end there, when it was like the universe and everything was testing me and my body was maybe not cooperating, like I got into the space and I released that fear and I stepped into what, you know, like you said, that intuition and I allowed myself to experience that VBAC. And so it was just, honestly, when I talk about it now, I get teary-eyed because oh. I still can't believe it
0: happened. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, what a story. And I feel like, you know, your uh, story of advocating is helping other um, women do it too, you know? And I think um, it's something that we have to understand that C-sections are way more expensive Oh, yeah. And it's a ploy
1: for insurance companies to make money off you. And that's, and that's what I, and I appreciate you saying that. And that's what I speak of when I say the system. It's like, I absolutely understand when it's necessary. I absolutely understand that if, you know, my body had changed at any point or something had changed, you know, that could have been my reality. And I had understood that. But the difference is, is what you're saying of like, when it is the grab of money, when it is the, once a C-section, always a C-section, you know, it, it it's just it's a limiting belief. It's just not true. And it's, and when you do your research and you are your own advocate and you do trust in yourself more than you trust in someone telling you how to feel, that's the difference. You come from a place of making a choice, whether you choose their choice or your choice, it's your choice. It's your sovereignty. You know, it's it's your inner knowingness. It's your mom sense. And that's where I just was so empowered. And I felt so grateful and so amazed by myself being able to have my feedback.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh, what a story and like you're such an inspiration. Tell us a mom sense moment you had. Um, And I feel like this entire interview was based (laughs) on that, which is so nice, Um, because it really is a superpower of ours. But is there any recent one where you just had a connection with the girls and you're like, Oh, I think you need this. And I just know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think that you know we tap into that more and more I think especially as a you know a second time mom I've learned that more and more to trust myself versus looking uh, outside. So I would just say like, even, okay, after I had Arlie and I was so grateful for my VBAC, um, it was a few mo- weeks later, I think it was like four or five weeks out and my body was healing so much faster and easier. Thank God, because of having my VBAC, but my mind was a little bit cloudy. And I was, instead of going to the like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have postpartum depression again and freaking out. I really um, reached out to my network really quickly. And I was like, okay, you know what can i do it could be baby blues but i'm feeling really off and thank god because i had done so much work and research i had encapsulated my placenta um and so they were like maybe up your post you know taking the placenta to help with your hormones and you know maybe get up a little bit earlier just to do some more meditations and journaling and it's not a really rapid fire answer but you yeah. know and, and so you know i started getting really intentional around that And immediately my mind and the cloudiness and all of it disappeared. And I felt so much better. So I think I just like, maybe not with the girls, but for myself, I tapped into knowing what I needed and I was able to get myself out of that funk and knock on wood, thank God, you know, seven and a half months out now. And I have not had any postpartum depression.
0: Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by?
1: Basically, like you know, you're you all of us are queens, but instead of living by you know the queen like ego of you know a lot we all obviously have like our minds, you live by like the soul of who you are. Mm-hmm. I will find um, you the exact quote and send it to you, but it, yes, it, just, it resonated so hard with me in the last few years, and so I've been really like relating back to that.
0: Yes, 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 and I can post that in the show notes. It's now time for Mom Hall when we share products we love. So, is there a product or app or really anything that you are loving right now that you want to share with the audience?
1: Um, okay, so a couple things. So one, I'm really big on you know self care, self love. Even if it's only a few minutes in the morning, a few minutes at night, or five minutes in between all the madness. It's really been something I've tapped into, and it's really helped me. I've gotten like really into having a nice little skincare routine. I've actually started doing stuff with Rodan Fields because it's actually changed my skin like massively, and I didn't expect it to. I tried a few products just to see, and I can't believe like since I'm not doing Botox or fillers, all the things I was doing before, um, I can't believe how nice and like like just like tight and bright and everything with my skin. So I'm actually really enjoying like using their products and, and and getting to like have this little system that takes all of like five minutes to get my skin looking and feeling good. Um, so like, you know, that skincare, I can always share that with you if you want, but that skincare um, has really, I love that regimen. It's been great for me. Um, I would say definitely meditation and journaling and affirmations. Um, a couple apps I'm really enjoying are, um, Zen and um, journey live, um, are both, really great apps and they have really great just meditations and affirmations and different things that you can you know walk through and some are five minutes some are 10 minutes whatever it may be that you have the time for um and space for um and i'm a huge i love taking baths i love just getting in the bath and feeling so you know just like you give yourself i think like this hug you know it's like Mm -hmm. okay i get to just relax and let everything go and you know emotionally mentally physically and just let your body go and for me like those, you know, warm hugs, especially not having real, many real hugs in life right now, (laughs) have been like, you know, uh, just such a game changer for me when it comes to like loving on myself. So I would just say like, you know, it's not necessarily a product, but just, you know, like bath bombs and essential oils that you can do, you know, in the bath, um, have been so helpful for me to like resetting my, my mood and everything, especially with everything uh, going on right now. I just really, really, um, I, I look forward to that. Oh, that's so great.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm definitely downloading the apps you recommended and I'm um, going to look into the skincare. care.
1: Yeah, That's uh, really it's great. You. Links and, and everything if you want for it so you can check it out.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, I'm so glad that we got to just delve into all the things um, and cover your story. You really are fearless and it's just it was a pleasure interviewing you today.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. It was such an honor to be on your show. I love your show. So I was so excited to be on and you're going to be on my show. Everything with Allie Levines. So I'm so excited. We're swapping. Yes. Yes. I cannot wait. Um, So the to be
0: continued. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you, Allie. Thank you. How fun was my chat with Allie? She is so raw and candid and funny, and I'm so glad we became fast friends. Definitely follow her on her Insta. Um, her handle is at Ali Levine Design. And her podcast is Everything with Ali Levine. So definitely check that out and subscribe. You can follow me on Insta where I post updates about my guests like her. And my handle is at Kanika Gupta And definitely subscribe if you haven't already, and leave a review. I love reading them, and I'm going to be starting something soon with contests regarding reviews, so stay tuned for updates on that too. As always, trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. Until next time. That's total mom sense.